When you're doing something new, when you're doing something the world's never seen, most people will misunderstand it because they don't have any model to compare it to. And so either sometimes you can talk about what you're doing and other times you can't and they're just like they're doing some crazy thing and they can't relate to it until they see it all in its fully formed thing and you say this is it and they get to interact with it. All right, that little nugget of brilliance was from legendary Tony Fidel. Tony is the creator of many things like the iPhone, the iPod, and the Nest thermostat, one of the top product designers in the world. So I welcome him this week to the Chase Jarvis Live Show. We talk about all kinds of things, including his new book, Build, which covers all sorts of building, not just products and features, but how to build yourself, others, and teams. If you're a leader, this show is for you. Enjoy Tony Fidel. Hey, today's episode of Chase Jarvis Live is powered by Creative Live. That's right. If you've been subscribed to the show for a while now, you know all about Creative Live. You heard me talk about it. It's in the books that I've written. You know that it is the best way to learn skills and explore your curiosities with learning from the leaders in every creative discipline in entrepreneurial space, from photography, video, design, to building an online business and ultimately living the life of your dreams. It's all possible with a Creative Live subscription and you're taking a big step right now if you go check it out at creativelive.com slash creatorpass. That's right, C-R-E-A-T-O-R-P-A-S-S. Now for a little more than 100 bucks, you can access the entire Creative Live library with more than 2,000 classes from the world's top creators. So where do you go to get this offer? Again, go to creativelive.com slash creatorpass, C-R-E-A-T-O-R-P-A-S-S. New classes are added every week and we're always streaming content for free if you wanna check it out. Please let me know what you've learned most recently. I'm always interested in hearing your stories and I'm happy to amplify and give you a high five on social if you tag me at Chase Jarvis with what you're learning. So beyond that, let's get back to the show. Tony Fidel, thank you so much for joining. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad to uh, have some time with you. Likewise. And for some time now, I've been digging into your new book called Build, but I always like to shut off the show for the handful of people who might not be familiar with you and your work. Orient us uh, around, you know, how you describe yourself to others, what kind of work you're interested in and, you know, why you think you may be a guest on the show, but just generally, what are you interested in? And, and what are some of the descriptors that you associate with your, your, yourself, your career, your past? Uh, how, how ought the audience be aware of you? Oh, wow. Let's see. Well, I'm not young, so there's a lot of things. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, first, I guess I would say uh, I'm an engineer by training, by by education, so a computer engineer. And I went on to, you know, uh, design and engineer all kinds of different products early on in my career in the first 10 years in Silicon Valley. But I'm really, a you know, a designer and uh, inventor of the iPod. Um, a co-inventor of the iPhone, and then I co-founded an, in, uh, a company called Nest, uh, which was doing thermostats and other home electronic uh, products, connected products. And now, most recently, I'm a New York Times bestselling author of Build. So, so lots of different things. And oh, well, I forgot. And I'm also an investor. So I invest in deep tech companies, disruptive deep tech companies around the world, helping the climate, our societies, and our health. 
and uh, spending a lot of time on that. And the reason why uh, the book happened was because I had all the same questions from all the companies that we mentor. And so I decided to write it all down so I didn't have to drone on and tell the same stories <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of times. So that was the impetus for the book, besides honoring my mentors and all the, the people who helped me through that career and that transition through all of those you know, over 30 years of uh, designing and building and creating companies and all those things. Uh, obviously, that is a, a um, resume that few people can can match. Those are some of the most uh, important and um, game-changing products of our generation. Uh, but I actually don't want to start off with the products. I want to start off with something today in our conversation that you just mentioned, which is this idea of mentors. And I believe, you know, having started, you know, online learning companies like Creative Live, uh, making, making large use of the internet personally prior to that, I believe that there's this idea of mentorship at scale in part. That's what this podcast has been about for more than a decade and, and largely books. You, you put your very best ideas. You put, uh, I don't want to put words into your mouth about how many years you've been doing this, but a lifetime I'll say of information into this book such that other people can take that information you know, they don't have to touch the stove to know it's hot. You, you can tell them and save them a lot of cycles. So <laughs> if, if we enter on the premise of mentorship, what have been some of your biggest takeaways from having mentors generally, but also some very specific advice, if you're willing to get into that, that you've received, uh, you know, having had the mentors that, that you've had? Well, you know, mentorship, I'll tell you, is really so incredibly important. And luckily, I had my grandfather as a mentor very young, when I was very young, starting when I was three and four. And that wasn't just having a grandfather, but that was a, my grandfather was an educator and he helped to, you know, uh, put a tools in my hands and my brother's hands. My brother's just one year younger than me. And literally we would go out and be repairing things and fixing houses and painting and doing electric stuff with electricity and, you know, gas engines and just getting hands on right at, at a young age, getting that empowerment, that agency to say, wait a second, this is the world and you can do stuff with it. And it's when you're really young, you know, and to much to the chagrin of my grandmother, and my mom, when we have power tools and cutting, you know, saws and stuff like that, you know, and we're just young kids. But to, to have that kind of empowerment is so valuable. And then along the way, because I knew that really, or I felt it, I didn't know I wasn't that conscious yet. I hadn't probably only 10% of a brain, but it was like, I was always looking for that kind of help as I went through my career. And somehow, you know, the vibrations of the, of the universe came together and I was able to link up with different, you know, different people who wanted to help me or my ideas in some way without financial reward throughout my career, even in, even in high school. And so that's been uh, such a, how can I say, in, uh, like I said, empowerment, but it was also brought you confidence, right? Mm -hmm. When you have somebody who has wisdom or experience to a certain level and they see something in you or in your ideas and they go, okay, you're on the right track. Keep trying these things. And just encouragement, right? Encouragement, helping mm -hmm. pick you up when it's really complicated and there's so much noise of, 
you know, when you do things for the first time, you're like, could I do it this way or this way? Or that? Like hundreds of different ways of doing something. <laughs> they can help to, you know, narrow down that wide field of things when you just really don't know what's that perspective. And that, and build is all about that. It's trying to narrow down all of this noise and going, just focus on this. This is what matters. And what really matters and my grandfather never knew anything about technology beyond, you know, normal power, to, you know, tools, regular, you know, tools, not electronics. He never touched a, a computer in his life. Um, it's all about human nature. Yeah. Mentors, the best mentors I've had is not, these are not the smartest technical people. Sure, there are those, but these are people who really understood people, organizations, teams, and all the things that, you know, come together um, to create something, because you don't usually just create in a vacuum. You're not, it's just yeah. not, you're not just the sole thing. Even this book was done with a team, right? Yeah. You're not just from the, you know, the, the ideas, obviously, are mine and the, the, the words are mine, but all of the other things around it. So yeah. having that mentor, having that, you know, so you can focus on the things that really matter, the different thing that you're trying to materials where all the other stuff can be like cut away. That's just so important to me and has been an enabler for me for, for, for my career. Well, I am deeply intrigued. First of all, again, congratulations on the book. It's incredible. New York Times bestseller. Also congratulations there. I was obviously you've built many of the, you know, most important products of our lives. This idea that, you know, music, a thousand songs in your pocket, collaborating with one of the all time, you know, great entrepreneurs of our time. And, and the iPhone, obviously transformative in popular culture. It's 15 years old today. Today, is today? The, today was the first oh. shipment of an iPhone. I re, Can you remember 15 years ago and all the people around the world, or, you know, at least people oh, yeah. lined up to get them 15 years oh, yeah. today. It's today crazy. this today. this is a good day then all right that just made this even a little <laughs> richer birthday. already congratulations <laughs> to you uh but you know the concept of building these products as you articulated in you know sort of the answer to that first question you articulated that it's you know it it there's a relationship between mentors and there's team and all of these things are building right it's that's the the under undercurrent for all of this stuff is build the title of the book you know, in my world, I use the word create, you know, that we're, these are all creative acts. You're creating a, a team of mentors, a, a, a peer group. Uh, but I was fascinated with the fact that you started the book around building yourself. That's the chapter, the first part of the book, which has got four chapters, I think, is building yourself. And I'm wondering if you can talk to us, maybe even preach for a moment, that okay, the, the, the role, yeah, the role that you feel like you took in building yourself. And if you were going to, you know, provide some advice, just in, in the very sort of the fabric, the understanding what it means to actually be a work in progress to be constantly building and revising. And, you know, there's things like adult, you talk about adulthood and, and having heroes and don't, don't look down. There, there are a handful of topics within that. But just talk to me about the, the process of building oneself as perhaps the most valuable creative exercise that we will ever endeavor. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know, I, I look back and read writing the book and everything, you, you kind of look and you go, whoa, wait a second, all this stuff happened. And so building yourself is really, you're always a work in progress until you pass, until you're off this planet, you know, or under the planet, whatever you are in the planet, <laughs> um, you know, you're always building yourself 
right? From when you're, you come out of the womb and you're, you know, you're always learning. And if you stop, if you decide, oh, after school or whatever it is, okay, I got this thing. And you're just, you know, kind of going through the motions that isn't living, you know, a, a true to me, a, for, for me, I should say, is the curiosity of life that happens every day, whether you're 20, 12, or, you know, you know, 120, these things are like, to me, that's what is, it's oxygen for my brain. And when you look back, when I look back at my, my, my life, I really have 10 year chunks. And I have like version 1.0 of myself, version 2.0, version 3.0. And so for me, where it really all came together and building myself was, and I think it was right around when we all have more or less fully formed brains at age 24, 25, 26, that's when it really happened. When real, you could say it's version two or maybe version three of myself really happened where you become aware really not just about your passions, but you become rational and you start thinking about your passions and go, wait a second, maybe some of those passions aren't so smart because you didn't have a full brain to go and, you know, off and think about it or your relationships with other people, your racial relationships with yourself, you know, all of those things. And I had two big things that happened at the same time. One was me having a fully formed brain. And then two was the, the absolute spectacular disaster that was General Magic. So General Magic was a company trying to make the iPhone 15 years too early without all the right technology, without, but it had the right ideas, big concepts, but the, the society wasn't ready to take it. The technology wasn't ready. We didn't even know what we were really trying to accomplish. We were just making something cool that we thought was cool, um, but it wasn't really solving any problems at that point. And so having that spectacular failure plus my brain and me saying, I got to press the reset button because I was so far off of being balanced as an individual. I was socially unhealthy, mentally unhealthy, physically unhealthy, that I was like, I had to, and my brain was there and said, okay. And then I had to reboot my whole system. Like I had to get, it wasn't just an upgrade of operating system. It was like a whole new operating system going from the Apple II to the Mac or, you know, something like that. Um, and, and that was a, the work that was really where the big work was, where you learn about not just the thing you're passionate about, but the human nature and how they come together, your human nature, building yourself, and then how you relate to the world. Right. And so that was one version. And then the next version after that was, tons of, you know, that was lots of failure then. And then the next version was being really a leader, you know, a true leader in that sense. And then after that, you know, it continues on. Then there was a being a father and, and all the other stuff. But um, I think, you know, you have to continue to keep learning and they, there will always be versions of yourself. And if you're not, then you're probably not trying. You're not trying yeah. to find a new version of yourself because you can always improve. You can always find new things and there's new ways of being and new things of learning because not everything your parents and the environment you grew up taught you was all the right things, right? And I'm learning today as I live in France or I live in Indonesia and I find new social systems and that stuff. It's just, it's, you know, as I said, it's oxygen for my brain and it helps my, how I design and how I think every day by, um, by continuing to build yourself. Well, I, I love this idea of being, you know, perpetually in development. And 
one of the things that I find striking that I think is very relevant to this conversation, and I'm dying to get your take on, this is sort of my, my, my headline question here is really around, you've invented some amazing things, let alone yourself. Let's, let's, we, we're going to put a pin in that because we realize that everyone, you know, you, Tony, have invented yourself or created yourself or build to use the word that you, you know, the title of your book and the chapters that are related to that. You built yourself, but in building, whether it's yourself or products, talk to me about the role, talk to us, the listeners here about the role of being wildly misunderstood because you wanted to make the pocket crystal, right? At big magic, you wanted to have this idea and the idea that you had for that product was so ahead of its time, even things like the iPod, a thousand songs in your pocket or, you know, the iPhone and yourself there's some role that being willing to be misunderstood in order to pursue either the, the product that you're trying to create, whether that product is an iPhone or Tony Fidel 3.0. Talk to me about the role that that plays and how you managed it in this process. I'm fascinated as the, the builder of some of the greatest products, what role that played for you. And I think it might be insightful for our audience. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a great question. So, you know, when you're doing something new, when you're doing something the world's never seen, most people will misunderstand it because they don't have any model to compare it to. And so either sometimes you can talk about what you're doing and other times you can't and they're just like they're doing some crazy thing and they can't relate to it until they see it all in its fully formed thing and you say this is it and they get to interact with it by just talking about it unless you're talking to another geek who really understands that kind of nuance or whatever. People are just like, huh? You know, everyone's always looking at me like, you know, like you're nuts, you're crazy, you're like whatever. And it's having that gut reaction, having that you you can envision what that thing looks like, even though you might not be able to articulate it yet because you're still working on it. You go, oh, and you, it's that productive struggle of like, I got to get it out there and talk, try to talk about, put some words around it. But when you see it, for me at least, when I see it and I see that vision of what it could be, that's what drives you. And then what you're trying to say is, yes, I believe it's going to revolutionary. I just don't have the right words to describe it yet. And what I've learned is the sooner you can be understood while you're in development, not at the end, but while, or maybe even close at the beginning, you might not all know all the details, but the more you can be understood at the beginning to the right people, not a wide range, just a, a set of smart people who are not just geeks, but want to think about customers and think about themselves possibly as the customer. They're really smart and you can explain it to them in enough, you know, simple terms, not geeky terms. And if they get it, you're probably on the right path and you're doing something that's so new. And that because you've worked so much on it, you can have a better kind of Occam's razor of when you're mm -hmm. making decisions along the route to get it out to market, whatever that is. And at General Magic, we knew we were doing something cool, but we didn't really spend enough time thinking about who it was for, why with the pain we were trying to solve, the superpowers we were trying to bring, all those things. So we were just kind of all in it. And we thought we all understood, we understood the technology to a certain extent, but we didn't understand what we were building. It was just this, ooh, this is cool, right? Mm. And that's the reason why it failed was because we just kept, you know, pleasing ourselves in a way, 
but without articulating what it was. So we were we were misunderstanding each other. Even on the team, we didn't all know what we were doing because there was no real good articulation of what it was. And so what I've learned through all this is the, the earlier you can do that and spend more time in that piece, the faster the thing can come out and the more, I wouldn't say confident you are, but the more decisive you can be to get it to whatever state it wants to be that you've envisioned because you've really thought through the customer journey and how you're going to describe it to people. To invoke our sort of the last point that we were swapping ideas around this idea of building yourself, what role does this idea play of articulating what it is you're building for products? You have very clear examples there. How about with respect to yourself? Do you feel like mm -hmm. your ability to help other people in your life, your parents, your spouses, teachers, mentors? Um, yeah. How important is it to, to frame this vision for yourself? You talked about being shaped very early with your grandfather. How important was that shaping and then your future articulation of wanting to be involved in designing products and whatnot? What role did that play in, in you know becoming the successful creator that you that you are well you know again the first 10 15 years was not very much success so you had to learn through doing but i think that um you know this might be the wrong kind of analogy but you you think about it and you go you know when you go to aa alcoholics anonymous not that i was there but you know you know the first thing is the first thing sure. is admitting that you have an issue so that you can right so i think it's really understanding that there's a problem and you're trying to solve that problem whether that's for yourself or it's in a product or whatever you're saying something's not right here i need to go and 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 take you look in the mirror and go and go figure out what's not right and then our and so you can start to say, here's what doesn't feel right. Cause it usually starts with emotion yeah. and then you can start to put logic around it, but you got to say, ah, oh, something doesn't feel right. It's not working. Why is it not working? And you got to use the rational part of your brain to kind of use it as a mirror to look back. And then you can grasp those feelings and start to put some structure around it to help you. Mm. Oh, I need to do this now. I need to do that now. Right. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times there's these like simple tests, like, uh, you know, do you have the right set of friends or are you doing the right thing for your health or, you know, and you kind of do these assessments to find out where you're at. And so you can start to ascertain what you need to do to kind of uh, look into yourself and then do that work to help grow yourself into that new way you want. You don't know what it is, but you know that you're going to go into this unknown, but you know what your problem you're trying to solve right? Just like you do with a product or a service or whatever you're trying to create. And so I think it's really acknowledging some feeling that's not right. And so that's where it all starts. Um, and I always say that, you know, um, the best products are born out of pain, you know, and you get a painkiller. The same thing happens with you. You know, you, you go through pain as an individual, and then you go and try to figure out what it is to, to, to get rid of that pain, not numb it, you know, most people numb their pain. They don't yeah. go and address it head on and go, okay, I'm going to go and tackle this. You know, for me at 25, I was incredibly overweight, all this other, okay, yoga, 
you know, you know, yoga and, and meditation and thinking about how I'm exercising, thinking about how I'm eating and what I'm eating, thinking about who I'm hanging out with and making sure I make time for that stuff. It was all of that stuff and, and really just rebooting everything and, and actually asking myself questions about fundamental values and morals that I had that I was raised with and going, re-questioning all of that again and going, is that how I want to live? Do I really believe that now? What do I need to learn to make sure I believe that as I was, is instead of blind faith, let's yeah. make sure adopted it as it's your own. You weren't just given it, but you readopted it because you really believe in that. If that's making any sense to you. So, Thanks for that, Tony. That's brilliant. I, I want to tweak our approach just a little bit here because we've been thinking about, you know, very sort of broad concepts like mentorship and, you know, knowing them nice thyself and, you know, building ourselves, building, building things generally. I want to get very specific. I'll, on a small analogy, I had dinner with Elon Musk. Everyone was asking him about space time and his crazy shit like that. And I was like, I'll tell you what I want to know. I want to know the difference between your Tesla and my Tesla as an example. <laughs> so I want to shift gears similarly and say, Tony, you built the iPhone, right? This, I mean, this thing is, has largely transformed popular culture. I looked at it almost primarily, I'll say secondary, but almost primarily as a camera being a photographer, it certainly has transformed photography. Uh, what was it like? And talk to me about this early vision of the pocket crystal and then, you know, joining Apple and inventing something, co-inventing one of the most popular devices to ever grace the planet. That I, I want to understand, because we can understand a lot through the specific example. And if we shift from these general concepts to something sure. very specific. So I'm hoping to understand early the intersection of these things, your vision of the pocket crystal sort of, I guess, melding with Apple wanting to build a product that you know, having a sense that the world would go mobile. Can you take us behind the scenes what that was like? Sure. So, you know, in 1989, 1990, um, Mark Peratt, Andy Hertzfeld, Bill Atkinson all got together around this concept of a pocket crystal. And if you look at the drawings, they're in the book online. It looks very, very similar to the iPhone or the smartphones we have in our pockets today. All one sheet of glass with icons. It's really crazy to think how right on at least the form, the morphology is of the device. So in that early 1990s, when we were working on it, it took four or five years to actually bring it to market for the first time. And this was a product that had uh, communications, mobile communications, but there was no internet. There was no mobile data network like we know it today. There was hardly any cell phones. It had downloadable apps and games. You could, could, could is in quotes, <laughs> uh, you know, purchase travel on it, right? And even buy things. It had animated emojis, um, animojis, whatever you call them now, in 1992, 1993. Um, 
it, it had a whole like how to hook things up to it, a whole bus that I got to work on with keyboards and, and mice and all kinds of other stuff. Like this was before the internet, before Wi-Fi, before just anybody even knew what online shopping was, all that stuff, even knew what email was. Most people didn't even email in 1991-92. And it was all built around content, commerce, and communications and community. So it was all of those things coming together in one device that was pocketable, hardly pocketable, but it had a touchscreen. It didn't even have a, it didn't have a real physical keyboard. That was something you could attach, just like you could attach to a keyboard to an iPad today, right? But it was, a, right? And so we had all of these concepts and nobody had the problems we were solving, which was mobile entertainment, mobile communications, uh, mobile browsing and commerce like we had in, in community. So we had all of this stuff, but nobody knew what it was. We didn't even know what it was. We were just working on it because we said this was going to be the new way of the future. Again, before the internet. So you fast forward to 15 years later, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's the iPhone. And so obviously the technology got much, much better. We had screens like that one only had a grayscale screen, a really slow processor, da, 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 da. But it was built all from the ground up. And to think that most, if not all, most of those concepts were on the thing. We didn't have a camera on it, okay? We didn't have GPS yet. There was no Wi-Fi because there was no Wi-Fi, but it had most of those things. And we were then solving the problems because people knew what, mobile what browsing was right they knew what uh they knew what email was they knew what you know buying things online were and they from the ipod they knew about entertainment on the go all your entertainment you wanted so it took not just the technology to get better but for society to understand it needed it right and it's at least the early adopters feeling the pain of having to carry a laptop an ipod and a cell phone and those things merging together as one and then coming together with the same similar kind of interface in terms of like just the what was drawn in the pocket crystal thing was just astounding. And when we were working on it, I just remember, oh, my God, this is general magic all over again. Like it just pop, 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 pop. And it was just like, this is amazing, especially given the disaster that was general magic. It was over a half a billion dollars was just lost. You know, it was supposed to be this biggest thing that was going to take down Microsoft. It was the craziest thing. There's a great movie about it that people should watch called uh, the general magic movie. And it goes into all those details and you see where all those people went and me and other people from there. Now people are working on the Apple watch and running the teams that do the Apple watch and eBay came out of there. So many things came out of there. And so it's just, Amazing how that if you even have the right idea, it can still flourish years later, even if you failed at it the first time. It's just about having all those pieces aligned, making sure that at least some people in the, on the planet understand the problem you're trying to solve and feel the pain and go, yes, this is what I need. What, what was the thing that turned that uh, painful failure of, you know, of, of your original attempt, if you will, do you attribute anything to actually making it a success? Was it there a stick with itness, or was was it you actually looking for to be on a product development team that had this level of ambition or awareness, or you know, is there anything you can attribute to that? 
your personal skills or was it someone else seeing a vision in you, someone else seeing the thing, your failed attempt? And I use that in quotes because it could hardly be considered a failure if that helped Steve see what you what was possible with you to be able to recruit you to, to build these products. Like, what do you attribute to turning your first flaming failure into a, a not soon thereafter, but eventually a success? Well, stick to you, you brought it up, stick, stick with it. And so yeah. when I left General Magic, I, I said, here's the things that I thought were right about General Magic. And, and, and this is when the failure was happening at General Magic. And I was like, oh, wait a second, I'm going to reboot this device. I'm going to come up with my own concept for what I think the device should be. So I was like, it's got a keyboard. It's got to be built for mobile professionals, not consumers. It's got to be much more of a productivity device, blah, 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 blah. And so I went and pitched that to Philips Electronics. And Philips said, yes, that sounds great. Now you build it. I had never run a team. I had my own little startups in college and stuff and in high school, but I never had built a team in a real prize. Like, you know, I was part of a team. And now it was like, your idea, now you go build it. I was like, oh my God. And I was 25 and I was like, okay. And so this was that, that it, it started on that journey. Whereas everyone was going off to do internet startups. I was just doing this other thing. People said, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, this has to exist. So I just wanted it to I wanted to materialize in the world and take those ideas and start to build on them. And so that I did that part of Philips. And then I went to do my own startup, which was the precursor to the iPod and then continue to do the device that became the iPod. And then, and then it morphed into the iPhone. So this was just one long tra trajectory of something that I believe so much because I saw what it could be. It was just the timing wasn't right. And the technology wasn't right. So I just stuck with it. And then, you know, the stuff at Philips was a critical success, not a commercial success for Philips yeah. because of Philips, but it was just going and going, it's going to get there. And so that is to me, you know, um, you know, really, you know, heartwarming that we had the right ideas. They had the right ideas. They turned me on to those ideas and I was able to then take them in and, you know, make them my own and, and just keep pushing. Uh, and then, the right place, right time and everything. And it's just, it all came together. And so, um, yeah, it was stick -to It just, you didn't fail. You said, I, you only fail if you choose not to learn and go on to continue. If you fail and you give up and say, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. That was a failure. But if you use that failure as a, as, as a, kind of spinning the flywheel to say, okay, what did we learn from it? How can we go? Because I really believe this is going to do. Then that's just the learning process and failure is just piece of a piece of it. That's okay. Well, one of the things I love, thank you for that, to be, to just, that's very, it's, we can all galvanize around that. I think it's an, this, this idea of quitting or quitting as a failure, stepping stone to success is a very clear metaphor. Also, there's another, you know, this, the metaphor, the, of build, right? We talked about it earlier around building yourself and the various different parts of the book with numerous chapters in there. I love, the, I love, the, I'm a big structure guy. I love the structure of the book, the, you know, all the, you're building all these different things, building yourself, building teams, building. Um, but that's a very powerful metaphor, not dissimilar to sort of failure and whatnot, this idea of, of building, growing, an interesting thing that I did not expect in the book is you talk about parenting and mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, you know, this, you connect this idea of building some of the best products in the world to your experience being a parent, because, you know, I'm, I'm imagining our audience. There are a lot of people who 
you know, are they identify our, our audience largely identifies as creators, entrepreneurs, freelancers, people who would be largely very inspired by your book. So it's a great audience fit, but there's this universality of, uh, you know, a lot of people don't connect building these products with parenting. I'm wondering if you can make that connection for us. Okay. Well, when you're, you know, creating, you know, you don't create kids, but you have kids, but, <laughs> um, but you know, you, you, you have to pour your heart and soul into these things and you pour your heart and your soul into your kids. If you're a great parent and, you know, everybody does it. Sometimes it's misguided, but you try, you're right. You're like, Oh, I'm really, I'm really passionate because I'm on a mission to create, you know, help this, thing becomes something, right? Because it's not just me, this is a team of people, right? The iPod, yep. the iPhone, all this stuff is a team of people. And so you have to look at it as you are have an idea and then you give it to the team and that team manifests that idea and you try to steer it and what have you and you get it to that point. Now, obviously there are certain times when you're gonna set down the rules and say, no, it's gonna be this way. And then there's other things that they inject their own personalities into it and then it, it adds another dimension to it. But there's certain things, there are rules that you don't drink. And if you think about kids, there are certain rules they can't, you know, they can't, no, you're not gonna do that. No, you're not, you know, whatever it is. And you're trying to put your, you know, morals and values in and, and put that in there and trying to get them to a certain point. But it still has to come from them, the team, not just you and top down, but it has to come from them. It's, it's top down and bottom up. And so when you're building a team that's building a product, you have that kind of relationship and that you're also trying to build the people on the team. Because a lot of people were doing stuff that the world's never seen before, just like the kids have never seen the world and they don't and you don't know what they're going to be in the world. So you have to have this relationship and go, OK, I'm going to mentor you sometimes. I'm going to parent you sometimes and sometimes going to be the police. And and you got to do all of that and and do it with empathy for the team, but also for the customer, the thing that's going to be on the other side. And to me, that for a kid, that's who they're going to be become right? Who are they going to become? So it's just a, it's, it's all human nature. It's all human nature. You just don't imagine something and you down there go do it. It's about this interplay between all that. And then between the people that includes families or their friends, you know, on kids, you know, and their siblings and what have you. It's all of that. And building a family unit is like, you know, in some ways building a, a, a team. And there's this, I can't help but take away from the book this the undercurrent of the ability to communicate, the ability to communicate to your customers or to your child, in this case, uh, the ability to communicate the vision that you have, the narrative around a product, and the narrative that we all ought to have for this one precious life. So uh, I want to take a moment and personally acknowledge say thank you for the book. Again, what we've been discussing largely here, some big ideas, but also Tony's new book called Build, An Unorthodox Guide to Making Things Worth Making. Um, I also appreciated, I've read a lot of business books in my day and so many of these books, they talk about start with perfect thing X and then perfect thing Y will come along and then perfect thing Z. And then in the end, you got this great thing. And my experience isn't like any of that. It's like when shit breaks and this doesn't go right. And then this is a big failure. 
And I genuinely appreciate that about the book, specifically advice for CEOs and entrepreneurs about how to leave a company or how to sell a company. I'm looking at my list here, the importance of mentorship, you know, the role of failures, the importance of, of guiding customers through journeys, the, the advice for leaders and parents. So it really is an expansive concept of build uh, and from someone who's built many of the greatest things in the world. So thank you. Great, thank you. Grateful to you for your time and uh, for anyone out there in the world again. It was uh, a labor, it's a real labor of love, you know, it was just <laughs> get it out there. And like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm just not going to pull punches. I'm going to say it the way it is and how the me my mentors taught me. Right. And just like, here it is all raw, unvarnished and, you know, and yeah, yeah, I'm a human too. You know, I remember at General Magic, I worked with my heroes and then, you know, they turned out to be humans as well, especially when you're doing something the world's never seen. Nobody's an expert, even your heroes. Right. And, you know, and it's just how it is. And we just have to accept that. And that's okay. It was, it's a fascinating read. It, it transcends the concept of a business book and goes into what I would consider personal development and narrative. And it's, it's, it's exquisite. So folks out there listening, highly recommend it. Tony, I, I promised, uh, I know given this thing is a New York Times bestseller, your, your time is in demand. I want to say thanks again. And uh, is there any place you'd steer our audience aside from buying the book that you would uh, want them to pay attention? Because we're, we're good at, at supporting authors and creators in their journey. Anywhere you'd steer us besides this? Oh, to other books? Yeah, or just any other projects you're working on you want us to pay attention okay, to? Okay, yeah, no, I think... Social feeds? Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, um, I, I try to not be a personality in terms of on the socials so to speak. So I only put out, you know, I only put out uh, information and not noise. So if you want to go to Tony uh, T. Fidel on Twitter or on LinkedIn, I'm there. Um, those are the two places I really, uh, I really uh, engage with. Um, and then the other one is at futureshape.com where we have, uh, where we have all kinds of um, places for uh, creators to actually submit their plans for, you know, because we invest, right? We have over 200 and some odd companies we invest in. So if they want to go there and submit a submit a deck or what have you and have us take a look, we're always looking for great companies really changing, trying to help the planet or societies, what have you. And so looking for those great entrepreneurs, because at the end of the day, we're just mentors with money and uh, we can't be retired. <laughs> we're just, we're just, we just love creating and we want to help others like, like I was helped. I only got here because I got help. Now it's all about giving back, whether that's the book or with Future Shape, to try to help these important missions really affect the planet in a positive way. Well, that is the, the rationale behind this show existing. So thank you for being a guest. Congratulations on the book. We'll go check out uh, your mentorship program. And the Mentors with Money is a really good way to think about this. To get I, Tony's eyes on this, uh, you know where to go, folks. Thanks again, Tony, for being on the show. Look forward to our next time. You're always welcome as a guest on the show. You just keep putting out these incredible products, whether they're books or iPhones, and, and you're, you're always welcome here. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. I love the questions and I love that we're going, you know, we're going really deep into the human nature and the creator, you know, element. So thank you. We really appreciate it. And signing off for everybody out there in the world, pay attention to Tony's new stuff, especially his new book, Build. Until next time, from Tony and I, we bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. 
please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show and or Chase Jarvis, Creative Live, any of that stuff on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. I want to take a second to say thank you. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. Together.